All right, how's everybody today? Everybody good? Everybody good? Let me hear you today. Say, I'm good. Say, I am good. All right, even if you don't feel it, even if you don't feel it, uh, that can be the tricky part. All right, well, listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's find that today. It's so good to see all of you here. So good to see you all. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I want to just shout out to all those still watching with us online. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to join us uh, here at our service, and so good to see all of you here in person. Listen, I want to read a few verses here, and then we'll set this up. 1 Corinthians 14. The Apostle Paul writes, he says in verse 1, reading out of the Passion, it says, It is good that you are enthusiastic and passionate about spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Because when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people to build them up and to bring them comfort. And then on down, verse 4 says, The one who prophesies builds up the church. The one who prophesies speaks encouragement to build people up, to bring them comfort, and to ultimately build up the church. Well, we've been in a theme called Renewal for the last few weeks. Uh, Our worship leaders actually wrote a song. We sang it this morning, uh, Make Me New. And renewal has just been a thing that uh, has been on my heart for um, coming kind of into after around February, going into March, just the Lord just kind of put that in my mind and in my heart about praying for renewal, specifically spiritual renewal. And then we've covered uh, several several uh, thoughts and themes, if you will, kind of inside of that idea of renewal, where basically it means to begin again, to make things new again. And uh, we kicked that off with Easter, uh, going through the celebration of the resurrection of Christ, because without that, nothing could be made new. Without Jesus coming back from the dead and, and sitting right now at the right hand of the, on the throne of, of God the Father, forever making intercession for us and waiting for his time when the Father says time to go and claim your bride, when he will return and split the eastern sky and the trumpet will be blasted and it will be loud and everyone will know Jesus has come. We have renewal because of Christ. We have renewal because of his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus who lives. And, and then we, we move forward in talking about renewal in a few different areas, renewal in through water baptism uh, uh, taking place and uh, making that public statement with our, with our faith that we're going to live for the Lord and we're not going to live for anything else but Jesus and see his work be perfected and performed in our life and talked about renewal in our relationships, how to overcome conflict, how to navigate through the tumultuous times of, of, of the trickiness of relationships in our life and talked about renewal through discipleship, committing ourselves to the pathway of, of being a disciple and being a disciple maker. And uh, last week we talked about renewal in our mind, how we need the Word of God to change us, our, our mindset, to change our, our thinking. And in so doing, Paul says, we will be able to prove and know what God's will is for our life. we got to have the right frame of mind that comes from Christ through the Holy Spirit in the Word of God that will help us to help frame our thoughts and frame our perceptions and frame our focus on what God has set for us and not what necessarily we are wanting to do, but what we believe the Lord wants us to do and how he has called us to live. And today I want to talk for a few minutes on renewal through the prophetic. And um, I think it's important that um, there's certain subject matters that, that we take for granted sometimes, and, and especially if you've been around the church for a while, that we don't always, um, always consider um, 
the new ones, the ones who are newborn in Christ, the ones who are, are, are kind of in the, the elementary stages of faith, still learning how to, how to bite and chew some of the things of the Word. And so I wanted to take a minute to expound just for a second on, on the prophetic. And, and when um, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that. Uh, lots of different things can come to mind. But right here in, in chapter 14, Paul's not writing necessarily about the kind of prophecy that is uh, predictive in the future, as much as he's talking about the Greek word paramythia, uh, which, which is the word there for comfort there in verse 3, uh, which is more affirmational and influential to advance the spiritual wel- welfare of the spiritual body, giving a divinely a divine word of God that will is for the purpose to encourage, to build up, and to, and to strengthen and to bring comfort, to bring affirmation and influence us in a very healthy, spiritual sort of way. And that's, that's really the angle that I want to come from today as I don't have a, a predictive word as much as I have what I believe the Lord has given me, a paramythia, a prophetic word of affirmation and influential that is for the good of all because that's what Paul says when it when it one prophesies it's to it's to be able to build up all of the church not only as an individual sitting here listening but all of us together collectively corporately as one body and there's four things that the Lord has given me to share uh, with the title of the message that I call now is the time now is the time and we're gonna, I'm just going to invite you to walk with me through these four, four things that the Lord has dropped in my heart. I was praying uh, at the end of a, when I preach on a Sunday, I go home or do whatever and, and try to kind of decompress from the day and, and, and be thankful that, and hopeful that people receive something good out of what was said. And hopefully good, and the good is that God is good and that, that I am not, but He is, and that that sticks. And uh, then Monday, I just toss a prayer up to the Lord and, and kind of like, okay, it's a new week. What, what do you have for me to share this week? Because even though I might be in a series, I still need that, that right now thing that he needs me to focus on that, that, the, that the body needs to be able to receive for that following Sunday. So I did that Monday, and, and then I go on and do, do some other things and uh, knock out domesticated type stuff like laundry, yard work, get caught up on the dishes, you know, um, that sort of stuff, and errands, bills, you know, all the fun stuff that we all grown-ups look forward to. By the way, when you, you see young folks say, I can't wait to be an adult, adulting ain't all that's cracked up to be, all right? Uh, let me just tell you that. Sometimes I wish I could go back and be 15 again uh, with the knowledge I have now at 45, of course. That would make a big difference uh, in a lot of things, but uh, we don't get that, so... Um, but hey, he does make us new, and we can, he redeems the time, and we can go from there, but so anyway, I, that's kind of the, the ebb and flow of, of a beginning of a week for me, and then, then by, by Tuesday evening, going into Wednesday morning, I'm a little more earnest in my prayers, and asking the Lord, okay, drill down in me, kind of, kind of help me focus on what it is you need me to, to be paying attention to, and what you're trying to say, and what you want me to be prepared for, and so then Wednesday, I generally spend quite a bit of time uh, thinking and praying through that. And uh, most of the time, it kind of comes together fairly simple. Um, but this week was a real struggle. I had several thoughts. Uh, I was telling a few folks in our office, I said, I got several thoughts, and I don't know which way to go. Uh, so I'm going home to pray and, and try to figure this thing out. And and, um, and so about the next four hours, it's going to make me sound real spiritual, but really it's not. For the next four hours, I prayed and walked my floor and just asked the Lord, I don't get it. I got all these thoughts, but they don't feel like they're the right thoughts. I got these angles in your scripture that you, I feel like you want me to come up with and go from, but I just don't feel like that's where I'm supposed to be, what I'm, where I'm supposed to be focused. And I mean, it was just this, it, it was just this like this. I'm walking and praying and my feet are getting tired and I'm like, I don't know, maybe I should eat lunch. Maybe I should just stop and eat or should I fast through 
through today, and, and maybe I'll get a little more sensitive to what you're trying to say and all of these things, and I, I'm just kind of like, Lord, I don't know. And I, I, start, I started praying. I started naming different ones of you out to the Lord and just started calling your situations out that I was aware of and, and different things going on in, in, in life and just began to kind of pray through the prayer list of people in our church and and uh and I just, you know, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe that'll help. You know, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get your heartbeat on this thing here today. And, and it was just a real, real, real struggle. And then about the time where I needed to quit because kids were getting ready to be out of school, I needed to be in dad mode again. And, and uh, the Lord just, just kind of last minute, just here, write these things down. And I wrote them down. And I'm like, all that to get to that. I said, you go going to make me pace the floor and pray and, and sweat and, and wonder, am I hearing you right? Um, like, just write this down. So I just wrote it down and, um, and then uh, tucked it away and uh, felt kind of at ease and uh, played basketball that afternoon with my kids and um, lost in around the world twice. Um, Truth is, Dad has to shoot further out than the, the, the younger ones. I let them shoot a little closer to the hoop, but Dad, I make myself, you know, go back 25 feet, you know, instead. And I wasn't, I wasn't on. I wasn't on fire on that day, uh, Rodney. My game wasn't hitting. I, it, it wasn't hitting, but they, theirs was. Theirs was, and they, they were glad. And, uh, and then, then Thursday had a lot of things I was going through, and and administrative, and talking and meeting with people and different things, and then Friday, uh, had an early, real early meeting, a real exciting meeting with the plumber, uh, uh, early, early Friday morning, and, um, and then got done with that, and, and then decided, you know, I just, I need to get back at this, because Sunday's coming, and people are going to expect me to have a word, so, uh, Lord, what you got? What you say? And he's like, what'd you write down? I said, well, this is what I wrote down. He said, well, then just clean that up and let's put that in order. And then that's what you're going to talk about. So that's how, that's how my week has been as far as that sort of thing goes. When it's your, one of your main primary jobs to preach, you kind of want to be prepared, you know? I don't know. It's, you kind of want to have a thought or two that you should focus on and and so I wanted to share that all with you because, um, uh, not to, because it certainly does not sound real glamorous, um, but I am thankful that I have the opportunity and the privilege to be able to focus some time intentionally to pray for you. Um, one of our elders, Thomas, has told me often, he goes, you need to be able to have your week set to where you can pray and you can study the word of the Lord. And you can be in a position to bring whatever the Lord says. And I'm thankful uh, for that. I'm thankful to have a church uh, that provides me that opportunity to do so. And I will tell you, though, I like the weeks when I don't have to pace the floor for four hours. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's, I just don't enjoy it uh, for four hours. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I just love praying for four hours because I don't. Does that sound bad? probably does uh, coming now that the preacher's saying it out loud, <laughs> but I'm like, okay, maybe I should have went and done something fun today with my dad or something, you know, and you know, he's retired. Maybe I should have drove over and saw him today, and I don't know. I'm just th- giving you kind of how my mind was working, and because I'm like, I'm not getting anywhere with this, and um, I, I, I will tell you this, though, that if, 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 if that's the way it is and, and to get to the point where the Lord is saying, this is what I want you to say, then I guess, you know what, uh, sign me up because there's really nothing else that it's really worth it uh, to be able to get to this place of peace and to stand before you in peace. To just stand before you in peace. Um, I'll take that. I'll take that every week. Um, Please don't do it every week, but I'll take it, okay? I'll take it. Um, but that, that action or that kind of that story is kind of what got me in this, is kind of the, the outcome of, of, of what Paul was saying, to speak a paramythia word of affirmation, influence, that will encourage and strengthen and, and, and build, build people up and bring comfort. And he dropped four things on me 
that I want to share with you today. Number one, now is the time to gather, not scatter. To gather, not scatter. Now, I'm going to run through quite a few verses, okay? Um, when I put these in our, um, we have a little system called Planning Center that all of our volunteers use, and, um, and it, you, put, you upload whatever notes or or for our worship team, the music and the chords and all that. And, and then it, it, these folks in the back that you can't see are, are get that ahead of time, and then they get it all set and situated, and you see the things on the bottom of the screen come through and on the screen behind me. And so there's, I don't know how many verses, but there's a lot, and I'm sure sometimes they think, man, he's not going to be able to get through this pretty quickly. And I kind of thought that myself, but I'm, I'm telling you that ahead of time, not because I want to go long, but because uh, there's a few verse, there's quite a few verses that these are built on and connected with. Now's the time to, to gather, not scatter. Here's the, here's the thought. We are stronger and better together from what we supply to each other. We are stronger and better together from what we supply to each other. Look at these verses. Ephesians 4, 3 says, Make every effort... Make, I'm just going to let the scripture speak. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, who is over all and in all and living through all. Jump down to verse 14. And then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And he makes... The whole body fit together perfectly as each part. Say, that's me. Say, that's me. It's not a trick one. It's true. It's me. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now is the time to gather, not scatter, because together... We're a beacon of hope to the world from how we live and interact with each other. We are a beacon of hope to the world from how we live and interact with each other. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, All the believers, at this time there were 3,000, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. It says, A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had, sold their property and possessions, and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The message translation ends verse 47 by saying something like, In general, the people liked what they saw and God added added to those who were being saved. In general, people liked what they saw. Those on the outside of the church looking to the inside of the church, seeing how they interacted and lived in fellowship with one another and what was happening, how they loved, how they shared, how they served, how they sacrificed, how they gave their full devotion to what was going on, the, the teaching and, and to faith and to the supper of the Lord and, and to the fellowship of meals together. In general, those on the outside liked what they saw and they were so compelled by it, it's like, we want what they have. We want what they have. And it's time. 
that the people on the outside of the church see what the church is all about and be like, you know what? I'm liking what I'm seeing. I want what they have. I really want the joy that they express. I want the peace that is upon them. I want, I want, I want the love that I can see being expressed out of their life. I want that. I want that for me. I want people to be able to look at my own home and be like, you know what? I want what they've got. Not in a jealousy way. Believe me, there ain't nothing to be jealous of. Nothing. But I want people to see the church. I want people to see New Life Church in Jackson and say, you know what? I like what I'm seeing coming out of their life. I need that for me. My family needs that. Now's the time to gather, not scatter, because God is calling his church back together. In the Old Testament, in one of the prophets, Ezekiel, chapter 37, there's a story that's titled The Valley of Dry Bones. And the Lord takes this prophet out and gives him a vision to see, and he looks over the valley, and he says, what do you see? He sees a valley of dry bones. They're the people of Israel, the people of God. And so they're scattered everywhere, dry as can be. And the Lord says, you know what? Do you think they can live again? And the prophet says, "You well, really, I don't know. Only you really know that, Lord, if they can live again. He goes, here's what I want to see happen. I want to see you call them back to life. And when you call them back to life, I'm going I'm to put them back together. I'm going to assemble each bone to the right skeletal framework that it was intended to be in. I'm going to put each part back where it belongs I'm going to put muscle on them, skin on them, tendons on them. They'll be able to move and function again. I'm going to put breath in their lungs again. And I'm going, to, I'm going to give them the ability to carry out what I've called them to do. They're going to be one great army together. He said, so you go ahead and do that. You call them back in. And that's what happens. The prophet begins to speak out over the valley of dry bones, calling each and every single bone to come back together to its rightful place, to where it belongs, to the way God intended them to be. And then he calls, he said, hey, call to the four winds and call the breath of God to come back into them. And that's what he does. And we see that when we're together, it defines some things. That life is shaped by God. Our life is shaped by God. It just shows us that life is inspired by God when we are together. It shows us that life gets its purpose from God. And it shows us life is ordained by God. We get that as we are in the rightful place that God has called us to exist, the place he calls us to be as the body of Christ, as Ephesians 4 says, each part doing its share, supplying strength, supplying what it needs to each and every single one. I can't be and get what I need if I'm apart from the people I need to be a part, that I need to be in connection with. You can't get what you need to get supplied to you if you're not with the right people God has put in your life. And so I just share this with you today. Now is the time to gather and not scatter. Number two, you might laugh at this kind of like I did. Now is the time to shake it off. Not the song. Not the song. And I struggled with this because, Lord, I was telling him, I don't want to sound cliche-ish. Cliche-ish. Is that how you say it? Something like that. So I don't want to sound that way. I don't want to sound that way. But there's a story. There really is a story in Acts 28. And I know this preachers preach this a lot, but I'll just give it to you. It's the Apostle Paul. It's the last chapter of Acts, and... Here's the thing about it. It's also the final days of Paul. He, had, um, he was arrested. He was going on trial. He was going to go to Rome, petition. And he was on a, on a, on a boat, on a ship, and actually different ships. And this last ship he was on actually shipwrecked. And they landed on, a, on an island. And um, now here's the, kind of the thought process behind this, the background of this. Paul could have been like, you know what? I'm done anyway. I've done all I can do. I, I've preached all of where I could preach. I've written all the things I could write. And uh, I've lived. I've done it. 
I, I, I'm, I, this may be the last hurrah for me. I'm, I can be done here. And, but that's not what happens. He doesn't die in the shipwreck. In fact, none of them die in the shipwreck. And verse, tw- verse 1 of chapter 28 says, Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. Verse 3, As Paul gathered an armful of sticks, it was laying them on the fire, says a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people gasped. They saw it hanging from his hand, and they said to each other, He's a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. And verse 5, Paul fell over dead. No, Paul said, let me get a quick shout-out on Instagram real fast, let people know, I'm gone, this is it. No, he said, Paul, let me do a quick TikTok video. No, that's not it. Paul's like, you know what, Taylor Swift, here it is, shake it off. Paul shook off the snake into the fire, and he was unharmed. The people waited, they had to wait and see. The people waited for him to swell up and suddenly drop dead. They thought for sure this joker's dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds about him and thought, this guy's a god, little G, God. And he went on and have a great gospel conversation with this group of folks, and he was not dead. But Old Testament, there's a kind of a parallel story with the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 19. You can, you can read about it in 1 Kings 19 where he, um, he had just lit up the altar with fire and, sh- out, I mean, out, outshined and, and just, just did a number on the prophets of Baal, evil guys, and um, they were all dead, over 400 dead, he killed them all. And he's like, my, our God is the one who's real, not your little G God is real. And he showed them hugely, big time, my God is the right one. My God is the one who lives. And, and he was excited. He, he was like, man, thank God this happened. This show, you showed yourself strong here. And then a word came from the queen Jezebel and said, you know what? I don't like what you just did. So by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. I'm going to have you dead. Well, it freaked him out. Now, I, I don't. I, some part of me doesn't get it. The other part of me does. How you can be in one moment just supernaturally used by the Lord for something, and then the next moment something from somewhere in the natural realm comes at you and it freaks you out, and it completely terrorizes you. And that's what happened to him. And Elisha got scared, and he decided ultimately he was just going to go hide out. He went to went away to hide out, and he was. He was just hiding out under a little tree, and the Lord came to him and was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, Lord, it's it for me. I'm done. Go ahead and take me. I think I've done it all. I'm done. I'm finished. And the Lord eventually got to him, and he's like, you're not done. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're, you need to eat. You need to sleep. You need to eat some more because you're about to go on a 40-day journey. And then when you get there, here's what I'm going to tell you. And he, that's the part where he goes, and he's hiding in a cave. And he's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, you know, the earthquake and the, and, and, the, and the wind and all of that, and God wasn't any of that. It was the still, small voice of the Lord that spoke to Elijah and reminded him, you're not done yet. I don't care what you want. You're not done yet. I know you think you're done. You're not done yet. I know what they said, but that's not going to happen to you. Something else is going to happen, and here's what I want you to do. Go back the way you came and anoint these other two dudes to be kings, and then find this guy, Elisha. He's going to be your replacement. You're not going anywhere until I'm finished with you. That's the word of the Lord. He's not going to be, we're not going anywhere until God is finished with us. Paul was in this place where he was like, I could be finished. I think I might be done. But in this viper just flat out bit me on the hand. But you know what? He just shook it off. What do you need to shake off in your life today? Because whatever it is hanging on you and whatever you think has got you is not going to keep you because God is not finished with you. What you position of life you might be in right now, you might think this is a total jacked up place of life for me where I have made a mess of some things and things that just don't look that great for me. And I don't, I don't, I don't know how in the world good is going to come out of this. What is it that you need to shake off today? Some things the Lord told me to tell you is maybe some need to shake off apathy. 
Maybe some need to just shake off regret. You were holding on to regret tighter than anything, and the Lord wants you to, wants you to know you need to let regret go. What about offense? Maybe some need to shake off offense. Maybe you need to shake off resentment. Maybe you need to just shake off the bitterness in your life. Maybe you need to shake off oppression in your life. Maybe you need to shake off the lies that the enemy has tossed at you and has stuck to you. Maybe you need to shake off fear. Maybe you just need to shake fear off and tell fear to let itself go from you. Maybe you need to shake off discouragement. Maybe you need to shake off disappointment. Maybe you just need to shake off rejection where you thought so-and-so or a group should have embraced you but didn't or whatever it is and you're feeling turned away and rejected. If rejection can take its hold on a person's life and cause you to believe something that's not real and not true, what do you need to shake off today? The, The Lord just wanted me to tell you now is the time to shake it off because there's still purpose. Paul went on to Rome. Paul went on to Rome, and he lived under house arrest for two more years, and it said he welcomed everyone who wanted to visit him, and he taught them the gospel. Up until now, he was being persecuted for preaching the gospel. Now he's under house arrest, and anybody who wants to come see him comes and sees him, and he just takes his time to share the gospel with them for the next two years. You never know. The time we have remaining could be the best days of our life. Our future. That's why people say the future's bright, your future's grand. When we tell our graduates that, it's not because that's just something we want to fill time with and fill their head with. We want them to understand when you give your life to the Lord, the be- your better days are ahead of you. Your better days are ahead of you. God wants to use your life. God has a purpose for you. God really does have a plan for you. And he wants, some, wants to get glory in how you live. You guys with me? Okay, I'm trying to roll through this. Number three. Just have four. Now is the time to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now is the time to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, Paul writes in verse 18, Don't be drunk with wine because, hey, that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with with the Holy Spirit. We all have to deal with life. We all deal with life in different ways. Paul's talking about dealing with life. He prefaces that, be careful how you live. He said, don't live like fools. Man, we need some of that language again. Live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. He said, don't act thoughtlessly, man. But understand what God wants you to do with your life. Don't be drunk with wine. That will ruin your life. Key word is don't be drunk. Don't be high. I know it's not, a, not the 1980s where I'm preaching to just say no campaign again. It's not what I'm getting at. What I'm talking about, what I think Paul's saying is, hey, when you're dealing with, when you're dealing with life, don't let other substances be the thing that you turn to for comfort. Don't let that stuff be the thing you run to, but instead pray and ask the Lord, hey, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Because we're going to be dealing with a lot of things in life. Here's another example, Acts 13. Verse 9, Paul says, verse 9 says, Saul, also known as Paul, was, says he was filled with the Holy Spirit says, he looked the sorcerer in the eye and he said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud and enemy of all that is good. Nobody talks like that anymore because you're, you're going to think well, you don't care about people. And I'm not talking about just going up and being mean to somebody. What Paul's dealing with is spiritual warfare. The basis of this is spiritual warfare behind what the gospel is trying to penetrate into the hearts of lives. He, says, will, he said, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. 
This is obviously someone who was dead set, completely dead set against the goodness of God, was doing anything they could to pervert the true ways of the Lord. And Paul was like, you know what, enough. Enough. You, you've, you've caused enough damage. You've caused enough damage. Spiritual warfare is no joke, folks. Spiritual warfare is no joke. We're all, if, we've, if you're a Christian, you automatically come with a target on your back. I used to think that was hearsay and, and, and hogwash. Like, what you talking about? God's good, bro. I'm good. All, God is good all the time. All the time. He, he is. But be ready. To follow Jesus also means we will have to pray our way through things. And to pray our way through things, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We cannot create and craft an offensive play on the playbook out of our own wit, out of our own knowledge, out of our own capabilities. There is something greater that must happen in us, and that is we need the display and the power of the Holy Spirit to function in our life. As Lindsay said earlier, we need to be welcoming the Holy Spirit into every aspect of our life, every part of us, every situation. And that's what these examples are about. Maybe in uh, the beginning of this whole thing, Acts 2, 4, says, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, and then it says, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them disability. Maybe just suddenly sincerely seeking the face of God in your way of talking to the Lord, and you just ask Him, fill me fresh with the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean you've got to have the big bang like they had. That happens. There is a real emphasis and a real manifestation of the glory of God in our life that's weighty and heavy, and, and you feel that, and you can experience that absolutely, but you don't live that every single day. But what we can have is the reassurance that the Holy Spirit is living in us and that we open ourselves up. Next Sunday is what is known as Pentecost Sunday, 50 days from Passover, from Easter time. Next Sunday... I just want to throw that out there just as a reminder. Hey, this week, this week, why don't we make it our aim every single day? Here's a challenge. Every day before you leave your house, just say, Holy Spirit, fill me fresh today. Say that every single day over the next week. See what happens. See what can transpire in our life. Maybe you just need boldness and courage, Acts 4. I'm trying to run through these. Maybe you need boldness and courage. Acts 4.31 says, After this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They preached the word of God with boldness. There are things that God will ask us to do in our assignment on earth that we need His boldness and we need His courage to be able to do it. Maybe there's a conversation you need to have with somebody, but you're going to need boldness and you're going to need the courage of the Holy Spirit to help you actually go through with it. Prior to that, Peter, in verse 8 of chapter 4, said he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he began to say to these rulers and elders, these religious folks, and he was beginning to tell them, hey, we've been questioned we, we, because we've, been, we've done a good deed for, for a crippled man. They healed a crippled man, and you're going to question us, these religious folks. Here's the thing about maybe you, you, you have to confront and deal with religious spirits. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because religious spirits want to shut you up and set you down and tell you you're not good enough, you're not educated enough, you don't have your life together enough for, to speak up for the Lord and to do anything for the Lord. Religious spirits are like that. I've been in some rooms where, man, there were some people who had far greater degrees than me who could out-preach me in any capacity whatsoever. But the Lord put me in that, in that room, and he gave me that venue and that platform for maybe a minute or two. Either it was to pray or it was to greet or it was to do the benediction. And every single time I'm confronted with, God, these people are better than me. 
These people got it. They have, they're, they're so much more polished than me. What are you going to do with some little redneck kid from Osceola, Arkansas? Here I am in a big room full of big-name people. I don't have a book written. I don't have a blog. I barely got a Twitter account that I never post anything on. I put you in front of people because it's you. I don't want to use you. I want to pray through you. I want to speak through you. And, and the religious spirits, man, try to come at you and be like, just sit down. You don't belong here. You don't belong here. That's what religion will do to you. It'll tell you you don't belong. But a relationship with the Holy Spirit will give you what you need. Will give you what you need. Maybe you need, you're facing the wilderness of life. In Luke 4, 1, it says that the, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and he went into the wilderness for the next 40 days to be tempted and tested. We need the Holy Spirit to face Walmart these days, people. We need the Holy Spirit to face whatever in our life. We need, we, we need Holy Spirit to face driving on I-40 through the construction zones. You know what I'm saying? I do. I don't know about you, but I sure do. Because I've been driving a little too aggressive the last couple of weeks. And I almost, it scared me. I almost, I thought I was going to get pulled over. I thought, I'm just going to get around these people. They're driving too slow. I got to get around him. And I got to get out here. And, uh, and then there, there's, boom, there's a trooper. All right, Lord, I hear you. <laughs> I see you. All right, all right. Whatever we have going on, we need the Holy Spirit. What I'm telling you is this, what the Lord is telling you is this, is, hey, you want to be able to go through it and not be taken out by it? You want to be able to walk through certain things with the love of God, with the grace of God, with the mercy of God, with the fruit of the Spirit Then we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And all that, all that means is you just pray and ask the Lord, fill me today with your Holy Spirit. I encourage you, I challenge you, pray that every day this week. Lastly, I gotta, I gotta go. It's time, now is the time to wait on the Lord. Now is the time to wait on the Lord. It's time to wait on the Lord if you want to walk in the will of God and accomplish your assignment. You have to learn to wait on the Lord. Zechariah 4, 6. The Lord said, It is not by force, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not even a, a mighty mountain will stand in your way. It will become a level plain. In order for that mighty mountain to not stand in the way and to become a level plain, you have to give God time to work. What, what stands in your way today? What's big in your life today? Can we take a minute here? I want to pray for you. I got a couple little thoughts I need to finish, but I just feel the Lord saying pray. What, what, big, things, what, what big thing is going on in your life right now? It might be a physical thing. It might be in an upcoming meeting, appointment. It might be a deadline. I don't know what it is. It might be a hardship in your, in your friendships, in your relationships. I don't know. What big thing is it today? Just everybody bow your heads real quick. And if you've got a big thing in your life, raise your hand. If you're able to raise your hand, raise your hand. Just keep your hand up. You've got a big thing you're waiting on. You, you just, it's huge. All right. Holy Spirit, you see these lives. You see these hands. You see these situations. You know the details. You know, you know everything about it. And Lord, we lift our hands to say, Lord, we have a problem. We have issues. We have some big things going on. Big mountains are standing in our way. And we really need them to be moved. We really need them to be leveled. We need the crooked places to be made straight. And so, Lord, whatever it is in these lives today that's like that, I pray 
they would grab a hold of your word right now that says, wait on the Lord. And Lord, I know waiting is hard. But right now, I pray that they would grab a hold of your word right now that says, wait on you. Give you time. Give you space, Father. As you are working things out behind the scenes. We want to know it. We want to see it. We want to, we, want to, we want to be there. But you're telling us to trust you to wait on you because of your will and your purpose for each and every one of our lives. Right now, I pray you would just bless each one with the ability to just wait on you. And in waiting, you do what only you can do. And you bring about the results that you need to bring about in each and every one of these lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Because to wait on the Lord means to also we will regain strength for the journey. Isaiah 40 verse 31 said, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles to soar. They will run and they will not be weary. They will walk and they will not To wait on the Lord, church, means we will also regain our strength. Because to wait on the Lord reminds us of this. To be patient with God as we travel through this life, knowing that this current world is not our home. Final verse, Hebrews 11. The Hall of Faith chapter, verse 13. said, all of these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on this earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. And if they had longed for the country that they came from, they could have gone back and forfeited. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. In our waiting, in our being patient with God, He is preparing things for us. But if we rush it and we get our strength involved, we get our wisdom intertwined with it, we mess it up. God has a perfect plan. He has a perfect pace that he functions in. And it's not always ours but he will come through. Now is the time. Can you stand and we're going to close. I know, I apologize. I went a little longer than I probably normally do. Let's just seal this with a song, if that's cool. And as we sing think about the things that the Lord has shared because they all are fitting in some part of our life. And as the psalmist said, if it had not been for the Lord, I don't know where I'd be. I'd be taken out. Let's grab a hold of the Lord today and seal this word in our hearts by faith, by worshiping and thanking the Lord.
ask that this week that you would overcome us with your presence, that you would overwhelm every situation and circumstance with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us fresh today and every day this week. In Jesus' name, amen.